Welcome back to our number two of the WRSU crew here on this Wednesday night. I'm Dylan McCoy, joined by Jake Schmidt in studio and Alex Carminati over the Opal. And it is August, which means one of my favorite parts, not my favorite part of the NFL season, but just, just seeing training camp happen is great. Seeing all the teams come back. Seeing your team get in a huge brawl where your quarterback is on the bottom of the pile, you know, that's that's classic tradition. Um, Seeing a veteran receiver who you thought was going to pan out just leave and get uh, just released immediately after, like, a, what was that, a week ago or so? Did you, did you, Benjamin. Did you, did you have high hopes for him, Benjamin? No, I, I thought he was going to stay longer than, than like, a week. Than, than, two, than 20 the, minutes. Than 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, no, I agree. Or, or, or Looney, too. Joe Looney, the... Cowboys starting lineman now he's retired after he signed with them last week, but that was like five hours ago too. So, I, uh, I, I got a little bit of the sound off. I mean, the other thing too, I saw you tweeting about this earlier. Kenny Galladay's injury, they're um, that legs, so that uh, yeah, it's a hammy, it's they're, a hamstring injury. They're, they're saying so. I saw, I believe uh, that's jo- our new pickup Jordan, too. Jordan Renan tweeted it, or it might have been another Giants. No, player. it was. I think it was Renan. Yeah, well, he tweeted that it was more of like it was more of like a tweak than anything. So he should be okay. But I mean, obviously, that's really scary. You know, he's a guy that you know the Giants dropped the bag on this offseason. Yeah. and those are the big acquisitions. Him and uh, the cornerback too that they got. Um, uh, Adore Jackson. Adore Jackson. Yes. Yeah, those are the big signings. Yes, very excited to see the Giants this year. You know, um, if everyone's healthy, you know, and this brawl is nothing, which I really do think it's nothing. I think, yeah. A lot of teams fight every year. Like the Cowboys have a have a training camp brawl literally every season. And yeah. No one ever says and they're on hard knocks it. this year too, so I'm they're sure they'll have a couple sure of those. They're for sure going to have one. Um, but ultimately, you know, I really just have a lot of faith in this Giants roster, and maybe that's uh, foolhardy of me. Well, Saquon's not coming back for some time now, right? They said he's not going to start week one. I think that, uh, right? I, I don't know. It seems like it says that they're focused like on Ian the long term. Ian said something about that. It says that they're focused on the long term, but, I mean, if he's healthy for game one, he should be. I mean, he was doing those crazy workouts already, so I think he's okay. But... We'll have to see, but I, I have a lot of faith in this roster. You know, I have a lot of faith in Joe Judge, too. Um, it was funny to see him making the team run and do push-ups like he was a high school coach, <laughs> like who had taught these kids English three periods ago and was tired <laughs> of it. Um, but, you know, it, it, it it's it's exciting to see. I really, I you know, I have a lot of faith, maybe un-valued like, faith in Daniel Jones. Um, you know, I think Saigon Barkley's going to have a good year. I think the receivers are in a good spot. Kenny Galladay. You know, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Kadarius Tony. I think John Ross could potentially. I think so. I think that's a good move. Evan Ingram might catch a football one time, maybe. I don't know. He could have good hands for once. If he can catch a football, that'd be that'd be great. I still remember that big play from last year that he dropped. It was in the end zone. He would have been in the playoffs. Yeah, he didn't drop that. Oh man. Well, and the Eagles didn't literally tank at the end of the season. Well, they're playing first preseason game now. It's three weeks. They shorten it now that first game. Obviously, first ever one is tomorrow. The Hall of Fame, Dallas and Pittsburgh and Canton. But uh, Jets, Giants, down week one. Usually that's around like the 28th, that final week of preseason. Wow, that is tomorrow. But yeah, wow. Yeah, that's how every week now I saw it. <laughs> Boys, we got football. We have college oh, and NFL every single week until uh, oh. through Super Bowl weekend now. We are in that season. So Inject. The football Good season. stuff. The Giants, though, they got Baker Mayfield on the second the week, yes. and then they got the Patriots on the week after. So they got Jets, Cleveland, Patriots, all AFC teams for preseason yeah. before they open up against uh, Denver at home. I like I like the matchup with Denver. 
You see, I, I don't really like the quarterbacks. That did you see the Eli Manning ring ceremonies? Me against the Falcons on yes. the third, on uh, th- week three. Yes, I did. My dad, uh, my dad was the that bobblehead looks that nice. The Eli Manning I saw they tweeted yeah, about that yesterday. My just got a new job. Might have to save up the Ring of Honor some tickets. Yeah, that's gonna be a hot ticket. That's I, gonna be that's probably yeah. gonna be one of those football <laughs> night in America things. I like, can't wait to watch. Uh, you know, even if it's on TV, I can't wait to see Eli just. You know, being rewarded by the Giants for the fruitful career he had. You know, oh, yeah. say what you will about him being a Hall of Famer and his winning record and his win and loss record. He has two stats. rings. Beat Brady twice. Beat Brady twice. Two of the best postseason runs. Oh seven and eleven. I'll take it. You know, he had some awful teams he had to deal with at the beginning and end of his career. Oh yeah. He has atrocious so, teams. He has done so much for this franchise. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He and did. I can't wait to see him be like honored. And he's going to be. He's still working in the front office, right? He's doing. Uh, was that special, like, senior vice president or something? Well, he's like, doing – him and Peyton are doing Monday Night Football now. No, I know that. I'm saying, doesn't he work with the Giants, too? Like, within a front office so. role? I think he is. I think so. I don't really know what exactly he's doing, but I think it's one of those, like, celebratory positions. You know, like, hey, you're an all-time legend. Do you need a job? Like, but – it's 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 gonna be very exciting to see. I think the NFC East is honestly a barren wasteland past the Giants this year, and I'm not even being facetious. I think the Gi- Washington is gonna give Washington's gonna gonna give them a run for the money though. Washington has good not. defense. I think Washington very good has defense. a solid defense. One of the best in the league. That's the, the one obstacle the Giants incredible. are gonna have to get through when it comes to their own division. That Washington defense is good enough to win them seven, eight, nine games. Oh, yeah. And is good enough to win that division to get them to the playoffs. The offense, though, I mean, you know. This is it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's not. It's listen, not as listen, good. Listen. I've been saying it's, it's magic, though, guys. Okay, but no, 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 no. He, I was. He doesn't I, do well. No, 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 Carm. I'm, I'm happy you said that because you know it's, it's like the, it's like the Jets in July thing, or the Mets in July. Excuse me. Yes, that's a good July. comparison. The, the <laughs> Fitzpatrick for the first four weeks of the season will be an MVP candidate. Yeah. People will be talking about oh, how he is the best quarterback in the league, and then he will go. One and like thirteen the rest of the year. He'll have like five more touchdowns and like twelve more picks, and he'll get a contract. And a, a lot from of fumble, a couple fumbles, and he'll get a, a contract from some team desperate for a quarterback. Everybody just blitzes him, and he doesn't know what he doesn't know how to hold on the football. No, absolutely. The um, defense will carry that Washington team, though. I it'll be interesting. Defense does win games, to... but I, I'm, Washington is That's interesting. True. I mean, you know, we, you know, Washington's going to be an interesting team. I mean, you, they. Uh, Obviously, you know, they have they have an interesting schedule too, right? After the Giants, they have Buffalo, they've got Kansas City, they've Green Bay. Uh they also have to play Ooh. Tampa Bay in week ten. Right after their bye, they're against Tampa, uh, Washington. So they they have uh scattered around there their first weeks one through ten. They have some like five or seven, at least more than half of those games are against really good caliber teams. Um, which will be interesting. Um, you know, they got the Giants week two, week two and week eighteen, because now they extended that you know that's 17 game season that um as so that's going to be interesting the giants and the uh, and washington going up again it's i think that thursday night game that week 2 is really going to be a tone setter for that 
NFC East kind of picture, big picture. Week 18 might honestly be a play for the – like it might be like you win and you win the division. No, yeah. I really believe Because the Cowboys are going to be garbage. The and Eagles are going to be garbage. The Eagles are going to be really garbage. Yeah, yeah, the Eagles might win two games. They, they might literally okay, be the Okay, lucky worst they win four. They might, they might actually be the worst team in football. I, I like They go four and 13. That'll be crazy. Top to, top to bottom, their roster is so bad. It's oh, yeah. It's so bad. There's still those question marks with the uh, quarterbacks too. Yeah, and with I mean, hurts and and I mean, who do they really have to throw to? Like they have Devonta Smith and Jalen Rieger, and that's pretty much it. That's it. JJ Arcega. They got Marquise Goodwin coming. They have back. Joe Flacco. They could bring off the bench, quarterback. Joe Flacco. Delaware's finest. Joe Flacco. That's right. Back in the Mid Atlantic, uh, <laughs> Miles Sanders. Mac. I mean, two A's. The Mac with two A's. <laughs> that defense is going to be, I mean, pretty bad. I mean, see if the if the Giants can actually like beat. The Eagles well, and I think that you know Giants. They have. Have we talked about the Giants' schedule yet? I mean, they have an interesting schedule. They have a tough schedule. They have. A, they have a really tough schedule. I mean, you look at you know the NFC East is going up against the AFC West and all that. But <laughs> besides the point, that's, the that's Giants. Tough. You know, Denver, Washington, <laughs> and then New Orleans, Dallas, LA, and then that that hard is Kansas City, Vegas by Tampa Bay. That's like. Eight to uh, weeks, eight to eleven are really challenging. Two, two of the Giants' three games in that span are against teams that went to the Super Bowl. Exactly, and they're on the road on Monday night. And then they have a Monday night two weeks after that, three weeks after that. They yeah, have a Monday yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous. No, absolutely. I'm, I, I'm excited against to both see, of those teams too. Yeah, I'm excited to see how they match up. I really hope we beat Chicago uh, in Week 17. They always seem like for, they can't for, beat Chicago for the draft pick. For the draft pick, though, because we have we own their draft pick, so need them to do better. That's right. Um, and gentlemen, out of all you've said about when it comes to the Giants, there's one key piece. His name is Daniel Jones. Yeah, he's going to be amazing. Has, I think it's going to be a good year for him. Look, look. Here's my here's my point. Daniel Jones has the offensive weapons. He has a decent offensive line to work with. His de- uh, uh, his defense altogether has improved. Daniel Jones is the make or break candidate for the Giants this year, and he really has to have a good season. If you think about it, gentlemen, when it comes to Daniel Jones this year, this has to be his best year. I really believe that because if it's not a good year for Daniel Jones. I think he's on his way out. And you guys can have all the faith you have in the Giants. I, I I, don't doubt it. I think the Giants do have a legit chance when it comes to winning that weak division. I think Washington stands in their way defensively, though, at the same time. And you mentioned it as well. Week 18, uh, Washington Giants. That's the final game of the regular season. And, Dylan, I agree with you. That could be the, uh, the deciding factor of who wins that division and who makes the playoffs. Daniel Jones is the is the card holder for everything you've been talking about regarding the Giants this year. You can have all the faith, and that's great. The Giants are going to be a good team this year. I do believe that. But Daniel Jones has to really carry his weight, and Daniel Jones has to produce with the pieces he's been given. Yeah, Alice, you know, I, I definitely agree with you um, in the sense that, like, Daniel Jones does need to have a good season or, you know, there's a very real possibility yeah. that the Giants shop for quarterbacks. But I also think he has the best uh, offense, offense he's ever had. He has the best O-line no, he's probably ever had. And he has the most chance does. for success. But I agree that he also has the most, like, okay, this is the point where you have to be successful. Because if you're not successful, Absolutely. you're just bad. You're a bad quarterback. Absolutely. 
this is make or break for Daniel Jones this year. Again, you can give him all the offense, all the success, all the faith, all of that. The man has to cut the mustard. And that's going to be the question. To be honest with you, it's sort of the same thing with Baker Mayfield. In a, sort of, but not sort of. Look, Baker Mayfield is, of course, I think better than, than Daniel Jones, obviously. But Baker Mayfield this year also has a make or break season. He's, he's always been flip-floppy. One year he could be great. Next year he could be god-awful. This past year he had, he had a really good season with a loaded offense. Baker Mayfield, I'm not saying is in the same seat as Daniel Jones, but at the same time is sort of in the same situation. Because Baker Mayfield has to have a really big year to prove his worth as the Cleveland franchise quarterback. It's the same thing with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has the pieces. It's the first year with these pieces. He's actually given a system to work with. Daniel Jones has to produce so well with the Giants, just like Baker Mayfield has to be so successful with Cleveland this year, I believe, at the same time. Yeah, a lot of question marks for a lot of quarterbacks this year. Some some of us some of us have a lot of question marks at QB. You could say the Giants. You could more so probably say Green Bay, but I digress. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Alex. How do you? What do you no, make about fine. all that saga? I think we've talked about that since he signed. What do you oh, make about that? We've talked about it a lot. What, uh, not just that, but like, <laughs> where is Green Bay in the division in that picture now? Where do you see them? Okay. I said this last week, and uh, my point about Green Bay. First off, I'm 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 surprised Aaron's actually playing this year. I've been saying it for a while. He's going to hold out. He's not. And also the play. trade they got He's for that wideout too. Yeah, Randall for Cobb Randall Cobb bringing, bringing him back, back too. Awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. Cool. That was an awesome move, and that was a first step into Green Bay actually giving Aaron something to work with in this final run. It's the last dance. It's the last chance. It's the last season of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. It's heartbreaking, but hopefully things go out, you know, in full swing and positive effect. Where Green Bay stands in this division, I think I think that they're the clear-cut favorite. Aaron Rodgers is back. Aaron Rodgers is playing this year. He has his buddy Randall Cobb coming back. You pretty much have the same entire offensive set, uh, including Randall Cobb with it. So I think Green Bay easily is the clear-cut favorite in that division. They'll probably win 12, 13 games again. Hopefully they make it to the NFC Championship game. The question is, is Aaron going to be fully supported the entire season? And look, I said it last week. I'll say it again this week, and I'll say it pretty much forever. This year is the biggest year in Rodgers' career. I think it's the biggest year also in Packers franchise history. And what I mean by that is that Aaron has been this generational talent. He's, he's been there for 16, now going on 17 seasons in Green Bay. He's won one championship, and the entire debate and uh, saga throughout Aaron Rodgers' conflict with the front office is that Aaron has not been listened to, and Aaron also has been shut down a lot. Aaron also has gotten a lot of the blame where Aaron's been able to be the one to be the team year after year just to the playoffs and to success and to multiple conference championship appearances. So this year is make or break. This year is do or die. And this year is the biggest year in Packers franchise history because, per, well, personally, I'm, not just, I'm, I'm saying this as a Packers fan. I'm also saying this as an Aaron Rodgers fanatic. I think he's the, the greatest quarterback Green Bay's ever had. I really believe that. Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback to ever wear green and gold in Green Bay. I truly, sincerely believe that. My point about 2021 is that they, they have to win it all. This year is all in or bust. You have to win all. You have to get to the championship game. You have to make the Super Bowl. You have to win the Super Bowl. Aaron winning a second championship won't satisfy everything. 
but it'll be satisfying enough to Aaron, for Aaron to walk out with a second ring on his finger. Altogether, it's a big year for Green Bay. It's the biggest year in his career. It's the biggest year in Packers franchise history, I think, because the greatest quarterback who ever wore the green and gold, maybe even the greatest player who's ever worn the green and gold, I'll go that far with Aaron Rodgers because the man is so talented, so incredible, and he's carried this team time and time and time and time again. It's not going to satisfy everything if you win a championship, but it satisfies enough for Aaron to ride out of the sunset with at least two rings on his finger. Yeah, definitely would agree that they're still the one in that division. Um, I just think there are a lot of talented teams in, I mean, in the NFC and the AFC. I mean, you know. You oh, have, sure, of course. You, you have the Super Bowl champions who have become the first Super Bowl champions to ever re-sign all 22 players, which really Which impressive. is incredible. Really impressive. You know, Bruce Arians, great coach. I think they're going to do a lot. But I also think that Green Bay, you know, with Aaron Rodgers every year, they're a contender. There's no doubt about that. They went 13-3 and last year. Aaron Rodgers had the best season of his career in terms of statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really do believe that they are going to win 13, 12 games again this year. I don't think that's much in question. But I think the bigger question is, will 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 Aaron Rodgers be able to carry this team over the hump? Will it be winning an NFC Championship game? Will it be winning a Super Bowl? Um, and I think that's still there's still uh, a lot in the air about that, but we'll have to see Absolutely. our training camp coverage, and we were going to have more coverage throughout the season, going to have some picks every week. You know, I remember me, uh, Chris, and Troy doing that last year. That was a lot of fun, I'm sure. We're going to have a lot of uh, on-air personalities making picks. It's going to be great. But welcome back to the Wednesday edition of The Crew. It's about 7.22 in studio time. Dylan McCoy joined by Jake Schmid and Alex Carminati on the Opal. Guys, we are sitting through one of the biggest events in sports. Uh, it is the Olympics. Jake, know you're a big soccer guy. I think we have to start with uh, the U.S. women's national team, unfortunately. Oh. Losing in the semifinals. Oh, that was brutal. I believe Canada. We lost to Canada. Yep. You couldn't have picked a One worse nil. team to lose to. Yeah. Lost to our neighbors. That was, uh, neighbors in the north. That that was not good. Um that that was not good at all. I mean, that was that was just tragic. Um because it was a second half penalty kick. They wanted a PK for um for crying out loud. I mean, it wasn't even like a goal that just got by um at all. And that one is tough. I mean, tomorrow morning they're going to be going up in that bronze medal match. So um, that's going to be interesting to see how they can kind of come back from this um, as well. I think that it was a really – it was a tough – you know, penalty kicks, you know, kind of have to guess. Um, It's uh, going to be hard. Um, That was uh, really, really difficult to see. Um, But – they're also saying, you know, they're the number one team. And, uh, of course, you know, you hate to see it for Rutgers alum, like alumna Carly Lloyd. I mean, you know, just somebody who's been, like, the bright star of that team. And, of course, for Megan Rampino and um, and that team and what they've been through. And that team is just so versatile. Um, it, it really is not fun um, as well. And I, I think that they kind of missed that, that spark. They kind of, like, didn't have it. Um, as well. They're going up against Australia in the bronze medal match tomorrow morning. Sweden, Canada's in the final. I mean, the fact that it's Sweden, Canada, too, um, 
That's um, interesting. Um, I would have expected that. It's kind of lame. Like it's it is kind of lame. Like you think of Sweden. Sweden's a skiing and hockey country. Canada's all hockey. Like I don't understand. Like a hockey matchup. Yeah, it's a hockey. Yeah, it's a hockey matchup. You put uh, Henrik Lundqvist on one side with Sweden, and you put on you know the other side. You got Sidney Crosby. I mean, it's basically like it's like a hot NHL matchup right there. Um, but. The other thing, too, I mean, you look at the overall age for the women's national team, and all of their primary attackers were over the age of 30, except for Lynn Williams, who's 28. So Carly Lloyd is 39. Megan Rapinoe is 36. And they also, you know, Megan looked a little step slower. I mean, she's a really bolsterous attacking forward, a midfielder. She's really fast, and we saw that when they won that World Cup um, a couple years ago in the Women's World Cup. And, you know, when they won in France, you just see how fast, comparing that France couple of years ago to now is like night and day. It's different. Um, and what they did in France in 2019, only two years ago, it, what they really did, they really brought a lot of those, you know, they have the same kind of roster. A lot of those, they have a younger players too. Um, you know, but they have like a, you know, they have a different coach too now. It's uh, Vlatko uh, Andanovsky, who is their coach now. Um, so it's... Um, it's interesting. I mean, you know, they have this new coach now who's been head coach since 2019. I mean, it's not the same uh, before um, as Jill Bennett. I mean, she was she was great, and she really kind of brought them before, four, you know, four years ago, 2015, when they really, you know, they had that really good run, um, and then they beat, you know, they had a good run. I believe it was against, like, South Korea. They had that good, uh, good run, too, in the Olympics, but... Um, it was really hard to see. It was really brutal from from a soccer perspective. Just to go out on penalty kicks to Canada um, is not fun. Um, I, I want to see if I, – I don't know. I mean, people, of course, like Alex Morgan's on the team. I'm sure, like, some of those players are going to move on. I don't know. Carly Lloyd's going to be pushing past 40 the next time one of these major competitions happens. Um, you know, the Women's World Cup will be in 2023. So, um, I, I don't know if – Carly Lloyd, I don't know if Megan Rapinoe will be on the team. I doubt Carly Lloyd will, honestly. I, I don't know what she's going to do, but um, that's going to be interesting because all those players are kind of getting older. Rapinoe, she'll be about close to 40. Carly Lloyd will be over 40. Al, you know, Ox Morgan just had a, a child, and now you know she's a mother, and she's getting a little bit older, too. She's not as fast as she was. And, um, you know, it's it, I've seen that a lot. I mean, right now, you look at the medal standings. Uh, China has more gold than the U.S., 32 right now. Uh, which is interesting. Um, but, you know, there's been a lot of good storylines with the Olympics. I think that, um, you know, the U.S. baseball team lost to Japan, which is really interesting. I mean, you know, Todd Frazier's on that team, and they were defeated Wednesday in the semis. Um, so they'll face the winner of, uh, you know, they they didn't do so well there. Uh, the uh, women's team, uh, you know, going up to Australia, of course, in the bronze. Um, it's um, it's interesting. The swimming, I think, U.S. has really crushed the swimming. Uh, Caleb Dressel, man, I mean, he... He has really he doesn't have as many gold medals as Michael Phelps, but Caleb Dressel, he's he's really crushing it. He's 24. Um he's really the bright spot uh for them um in this um Olympics. Um five gold medals, Phelps was eight, so he was just three gold medals shy of, you know, getting Phelps's record, which he said, you know, with with all within uh Beijing. Um but Caleb Dressel, you know, he set the new record in the 4x100 medley relay. You know, he won gold in the butterfly, which was Phelps' main event. I mean, 
Caleb Dressel, you know, for all the stuff, the slack that, you know, Michael Phelps, you know, with all the, you know, the stuff that happened with him. And of course, you know, he's, you know, he had some mental health problems and now he's, he was seeking the help and therapy and all that, you know, Caleb Dressel, I think is the next up and coming, you know, big Olympic star, you know, what we've seen with like Simone Biles, who's at, you know, of course, it was great for her to get the bronze too. I mean, that was, that was good too, just to see her get back. And also, you know, they came out, CNN report today that came out that her, uh, her aunt unexpectedly died. So that also was, um, she was keeping quiet about that too. Um, so that also, you know, losing a, a loved one, a family member close to you is really difficult. And, uh, and she wasn't able to, it, it was really hard for her to, um, cause she was like, it was unexpectedly, like, I don't know what happened to her. I mean, it, it was really a horrific, uh, you know, she's able, she's dealing with that too. And all the criticism she was getting, I mean, you know, nobody was cutting her a break at all because all this, you know, her family death. And now that we've, you know, she, they call it like the twisties, which is what you get the gymnasts when they have to put themselves to those really difficult uh, twists and yeah. turns and like life, like threatening kind of like you could get paralyzed. You do it wrong. It's really difficult. Um, but, you know, it was great that Suni Lee, too, like stepped up to the plate and she she really got the gold in the um, on the uh, routine on the floor, which was great. But I, I was really blown away by the swimming. I think that. um the swimming has really been good. I think Caleb Dressel is like, he's great right now. Um, but then, of course, the uh, New Jersey with the podium finishes. Great. Uh, the other day, Sydney McLaughlin and Afting Mu giving them a really a good day. Uh, McLaughlin, who, you know, we've talked about a lot, of course, you know, from Jersey. Um, she became the first American woman in 53 years to win a gold medal in the 800 meter race. And then, of course, you know, she was. She was really, you know, crushing it. Um, and then um, Athing, uh, Mew, uh, of course, the 19-year-old, you know, from Trenton. Um, and, of course, McLaughlin from Danella nearby right outside here. I mean, setting that record. Then Mew, uh, one of the top middle-distance runners. She became she was the first one who won in over more than a half a century, the 800 meters. And she has set a U.S. record uh, finishing the race, you know, 155-21, um, which is crazy. I mean, you know, New Jersey has really just stepped it up, um, which is incredible. They've never had a woman. New Jersey's never had a woman win in any individual Olympic gold in track and field. And then this happened with McLaughlin with the 400th with the world record. And then Athing Mew, I mean, New Jersey representing in track and field. I mean, you love to see those kind of stories, Dylan, like just New Jersey repping in track and bringing home the gold. I mean, New Jersey, you know, we saw that also uh, Jamaica was winning a couple of those golds. Of course, Usain Bolt way back, you know, 2008. But uh, it's it's good to see that New Jersey still propelling those, you know, those Olympic athletes. And they were really McLaughlin like crushed over that world record. I mean, that was that was like a couple nights ago. That was really fun to watch. I saw the highlights, but that was that was good to see Jersey on the podium. Yeah, absolutely. You know, seeing Sydney McLaughlin, um, who you know has been on crew before, seeing her win a gold medal and set a world record is absolutely insane. Um, and you know, uh, the other. Jersey athletes that have been doing stuff in this Olympics, so you know it's great to see them represent the state. Uh, Jersey track and field, another sport, another place where we dominate other states and sports. Oh yeah, very interesting. Big pipeline. Um, and in other, you know, other Olympic news, just kind of looking around. Uh, Alex, Allison Felix, who, um, is in her fifth Olympic Games. Yeah. Advanced to the women's four hundred meter final. She has a chance to set. The most career Olympic medals by a female track athlete. Yeah, she's racing tonight or tomorrow this morning, right? She's gonna be racing. I believe so. She's, and she's trying to set her break her own world record too. I heard she's tied with Marlene Adi Page, who's Jamaican, uh, for most career medals by a female track athlete. So if she medals in the four hundred meters, she will break that. Um, 
how how amazing do you have to be as an athlete to make it to five Olympic games? That is two decades worth of Olympics. Yeah. Been at it. She has incredible. been incredible. You do that, you're a beast. What what was you're, the, you're absolutely where incredible. was it in two thousand? Two thousand. Does anyone do any of you guys? I know in 04 it was Athens. Oh eight it was Beijing. Two thousand twelve was London. Ninety six was in Atlanta. Yeah, ninety two was in Barcelona. I can name all the ones but two thousand. Two thousand was in Sydney. It's kind of like Sydney. the forgotten one. And then okay. Beijing and yeah, of course. Yeah, Sydney. Okay, Beijing okay. and then London and so Rio. So Allison Felix has Rio. was in the Sydney Olympics when I was less than a year old, and she is now in the oh, she is now in the twenty twenty one Olympics in Tokyo when I am twenty one years old. So she has been racing at an Olympic level for my entire life, our entire lives. Uh, She's thirty five too. So she was in the 2020 Olympics as a 15 or 14 year old. Yeah. Wow. wow. That is that. At that, the age of 18, she was a silver medalist in the 200 meters in 2004. It's an American crazy. track legend. She's an she's a legend. She has to be an American track legend. There's there's no other way to put it. That is an absolutely beyond impressive. Yeah, her first Olympics were 04. That was that was it. Uh, she did like all those the Pan American Games. She like she got first in all those other games, and then the Olympics right. 04 she did, and then 2008 you know she got first in the relay, and then she got second in the uh, in the 200 meter, and then you know we know what happened in uh, in London. She completely went off in London. She got first in three of the four events she competed in. I want to recant and take back the statement I made last week about the Olympic being a dud. And look, at first, it was a dud. You saw viewership going down. You saw the U.S. really struggling in all athletics. You've still seen, you've still seen U.S. Uh, you know, national teams struggle, especially women's soccer, basketball, what have you. Even though, you know, I, I, want, I, I want to take back the statement because we're seeing success happen in sports. Many people don't really watch a lot. Or they watch every four years because of the Olympics. We're seeing the swimming. We're seeing track and field. We're seeing gymnastics. You know, it's really impressive to see sports that are at times underrated, but sports that, that are only seen every four years continue to be so successful, especially for the U.S. So even though I said it was a dud last week, and look, at that time it was a dud, in one week things have changed dramatically for the Olympics, I think and for U.S. sports altogether in the Olympics. It, it's really impressive to see. And all the athletes you mentioned, all the sports you mentioned, all the storylines you mentioned, too, it really says a lot about where the Olympics are going, even during you know, such an unprecedented, unexpected, un, you know, real, so, some, something we've never experienced before regarding the Olympics, especially when the Olympics itself have, have to be pushed back an extra year, and then there were rumors about pushing it back again because of more COVID issues. Thank goodness we have it in 2021, but it's just, it's really things have turned and how, the, you know, the headlines have spun very quickly throughout these, you know, Tokyo Olympics. Yeah, well, I think a lot of it was just getting, you know, those bigger sports involved. Like, I want to see who right. wins the 100 meters. That's my big thing. I really want to see who the fast man, fast man and woman in the world is. That's one of my favorite events. I think just as the Olympics go on and you know more events become final and it's a lot less watching like semifinals and all that. I think it, it genuinely does get more interesting because you know every event for the next couple of days is most likely going to be some type of final, um, which very excited to see. I can't wait. So it'll be an adventure to say the least. These last couple of days it looks like I I'm, personally looks like, love about. 
Oh, go ahead, Alex. Yeah. I personally, oh, thanks. I personally love about these uh, the stance that mental health is being taken on during these Olympics. I said last week I've always been a believer in this. Mental health is a big issue. It's one of, if not the biggest, you know, crises we're dealing with. Of course, COVID probably is number one, of course. But if you get to put number two or number three or any top list of, you know, problems going on worldwide, mental health is definitely up there. And for Simone Biles, again, someone who had these issues and afraid to speak publicly about mental health issues and months, that's incredible, number one. And number two, it shows that people who lots of people lots of look up to lots of people worldwide look up to when they're not afraid to make a stance against men not only in their own but even others that are going through is gone regarding the mental health stand. It's really it's, it's really impressive. It's also really re- remarkable to see, especially on such, you know, on such a world on the world stage of sports. It's really it's powerful yeah absolutely you know i think mental health has been a a big part this year um obviously with simone biles who won the bronze medal in the balance beam uh came back uh, it, it, incredibly impressive um and yeah ultimately you know especially during COVID. oh especially during covid you know these olympics have had the most obstacles of any olympics ever um we've had a lot of memorable moments like uh, Jake said before Caleb Dressel. I don't know if you mentioned Katie Ledecky before, but she won. Oh, I forgot about her. She won. Oh, she, she, won she was incredible. She won the event where she has the. Did you guys? Unreal. I know you guys saw that graphic where she had the 24 best times ever in the women's 800 meters. Yeah, it's all her. All 24. She's unreal. Kate, can you imagine? Like you win a gold medal. Like you're the best in the world at your event. It's like, oh, you had a really good time. You just finished behind Katie Ledecky 26 times. Absolutely insane. That's that's crazy. She. She she's a distance swimmer and she like competed in the finals of the two hundred meters. Like that's in that's a, she, that's uh, like did a she track break her that, own record too. Like is uh, it not in the eight hundred? She didn't. Did she do it in like Rio or something? Maybe, but her her competing in the two hundred at this Olympics is literally like a long distance runner competing in like the two hundred. Like it, it's yeah. unheard of. The track world would be, you know, like the track world would be flipped on its head. It's so impressive to see mm. what she does. She is the. Probably the best female swimmer ever, uh, in my opinion. You know, just with the range of events she can do and everything else, I really do believe that, like, she is the female equivalent of Michael Phelps, just in terms of dominance. Still on hands down, no question about it. Absolutely, she's she she's she she is unbelievable, and I mean, I mean, yeah, she is, and even though you can't in a way, compare men and women, I would say they're equal in some stances, Michael Phelps and uh, Katie Ledecky. I really would say that because both have been able to become American phenomenons in the sport of swimming, but at the same time, you know, become, you know, true legends and probably goats in their own, you know, uh, uh, respective fashion. Yeah, found of Billy Joel means that this is rapid fire here on the crew segment where we go through all the stories we didn't have a chance to get to today. I am going to turn it over to Jake Schmid, who's going to lead us through this rapid fire section. Yeah, well, we got a lot of stories that we, you know, it's one of those weird days where it's like summer, it's just MLB and Olympics going on. But uh, we'll we'll start right to it um, right now. We got a lot of 
stuff to catch up for. But um, the Washington football team has banned Native American uh, garb from the stadium. They're going to be just doing away with that. They've A lot of the fans have um, really kind of um, been wearing, you know, some of the garb. We've seen that um, as well. Um, they don't have a name yet. Obviously, Cleveland Guardians, you know, that's what the Cleveland Indians are going to be. But they banned Native American headdresses, face paint from FedEx Stadium, uh, which will be interesting. Um they are holding a practice at the stadium Friday with approximately 20,000 fans expected. It'll be the biggest crowd since the home finale in 2019. Um, but that's also happening. But what's also interesting, too, is that, um, you know, going in the NFL, um, Vikings QB Kirk Cousins and Nate Stanley expect to return for the COVID-19 list uh, tomorrow. Mike Zimmer says, um, which will be interesting. Um Zimmer had asked uh, Zimmer, who spoke about his frustration with his players who refused to get the vaccine, says that he will not discuss the topic anymore um, as well. So what does this mean for the Vikings going forward? Uh, they're just going to be a middle-of-the-road team like they were always going to be. They don't have a good quarterback. That's They're in the NFC North. Like They don't have a good quarterback. They yeah. have to play the Packers twice. Yeah, they're... I I don't think Mike Zimmer is going to make that team go fourteen and three because he doesn't want to get vaxxed. But I also don't think they're going to go zero seventeen because he doesn't want to get vaxxed. They'll be middle of the road, just like they always are. They'll miss the playoffs. They're just under. They're just underwhelming. Kirk Cousins has been overpaid from the start. Right, Kirk Cousins has been overpaid from the start. Dalvin Cook's going to be pretty much the only bright spark on that team. Justin Jefferson maybe to follow along with it, but you look at that team as a whole, it's abysmal. Again, I I said it earlier, Green Bay has it in the bag. Uh, Minnesota is going to be towards the bottom of, of the barrel, really, with Chicago and Detroit, of course. I think even worse than Chicago, maybe, as well. I think the Bears will take second place in that NFC North. But, no, whether, again, like Dylan said, whether he's vaccinated, he's not vaccinated, whether he has COVID, he has antibodies, whatever, Kirk Cousins is overpaid. The Vikings yep. are in the same spot, and they're not, not, not making the playoffs. Well, somebody who's – Making the playoffs and a team that's definitely put their name firmly in contention is the LA Dodgers. We know what they've been doing, what they got Max Scherzer and all that. But now they also added to their star-studded rotation a one-year deal with four-time All-Star Cole Hamels. It was announced today. Um, Hamels auditioned for teams during a workout last month in Texas. He passed his physical early this morning. They didn't reveal uh, dollar figures, but the deal will guarantee Hamels a pro, uh, prorated $1 million for the rest of the year. And we'll tack on $200,000 in incentives for each start. Um, as well. He was limited to only one start with the Braves last season because of shoulder and tricep injuries and has spent the vast majority of this year regaining his health. He's 37. He's going to throw a bullpen session, then return to the team's spring training facility to continue to build up arm strength, so he'll be coming down later the road, but it comes the same day that Max Scherzer makes his debut today. The Scherzer edition, he's acquired also with Trey Turner from the Nationals um, as well. It's going to be the reigning NL Cy Young winner for him. It's also of Trevor Bauer. They're getting them instead of him, trying to build that rotation for Trevor Bauer, who's probably not coming back for this year and might not be getting back to baseball anytime soon. Might not be coming back again. I hate the Dodgers. uh, They they don't even need Bauer. They're so good. They really don't even need him. They got Scherzer. They're they're fine. They broke baseball. They broke baseball. They're going to win the World Series. I hate to to be like – I hate to be so matter of fact about it because I really do like the way like the even Yankees with like moved. half the rotation on the IL like they're it doesn't gonna be, matter. doesn't matter they're the Dodgers does when they all come back like they literally got Danny Duffy too like they didn't even need him uh, he they just got Cole Hamels now they have David Price not that David Price is any good but it is just insane the depth they have 
And yeah, it yep. looks like they are probably going to win the World Series, unfortunately. What also they, me and Dill were talking about. Will. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, again, they, they, they probably will. They have a chance to to go back to back. And um, when it comes to Mad Max, watch out for Mad Max tonight. Altogether, I think I, I, I said it earlier in the first hour. He's due for a big night. And tonight's debut for sure is going to be down the down the stretch for a long time. I think past this year, definitely. Yeah, I think so too. Um, interesting. Me and Dylan were talking about this off air um, about an hour ago or so, but um, well, re- more recently than that. But top high school pro- basketball prospect Amoni Bates is reclassifying into the 2021 class. He could enroll for this season. He's the number one prospect in high school basketball. He announced on Instagram he's down to four options: Michigan State, where he decommitted from in the spring; Oregon, Memphis, and the G League. He's a six foot nine small forward from Michigan. Uh, originally committed to MSU last summer. Um, before his commitment to the Spartans, Tom Izzo's program had been the only one consistently recruiting him since that he's decommitted. A number of schools have jumped into the mix. He cut his list to eight options in July, including which included then Miami, Baylor, the NBL in Australia, and overtime elite. Um, but he doesn't turn 18 until January, so he's too young to enter the 2022 NBA draft, as we were talking about Dylan off air. And then also, you know, draft rules state a prospect must be a year removed from his high school graduating class and turn 19 in that count year in order to go into the draft. He won't turn 19 until January 2023, two Januarys from now. So as a result, he could end up playing college ball for two years or go to college for one year and then play in the G League or elsewhere. So it'll be interesting. What do you think happens with him? It's a super interesting dynamic because he's very obviously the best player in his class. Uh, Well, him and like, now that he's in a new class, him and like Chet Holmgren. But he is very obviously one of the best players in his class. He's one of the best players we've seen in high school basketball in a while. He's gotten Kevin Durant comparisons, and I for I for one don't think they're too ridiculous, honestly. Like, no, I, I don't think so. I've that seen way. the film. It's he's got very, a really great dribble for a seven-footer. He's very athletic. He's got a great shot. Um, I, I genuinely think that he is an NBA talent. Now, yeah, um, but yeah, like a Le- like how like LeBron, not yeah. comparing to LeBron, but how LeBron no, was. No, but I a, I understand what you're Akron. saying. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Like he was ready for the NBA by like his senior year. Yeah, and I think Amani Bates is ready right. for the NBA. But I I just really hope he doesn't go to Michigan State because Chris, I'm sorry, I know you're maybe listening, but I am not going to have anything to do with Rutgers Michigan State if he comes to Michigan State. There's no way he's gonna drop 45 on us. He's gonna do it to everybody. He'll just be bored calling that game at the he rack. He is an NBA talent. And and he uh, is. I I I would like to see him go to the G League, but the whole thing is he's got two years. So does he go to college for a year? Does he go to the G League for another year? I just think he's in a very weird uh, space now with the fact that he reclassed. I I I I'm sure him and the people around him have weighed all the ups and downs, and I'm sure it is a good decision. But he's just in a very weird spot, and I would not be surprised if he just goes to the G League for two years. And trains in the G League, but we'll have to see. Hey, I maybe, really hope he doesn't. Maybe he can look up with Jacob Young and Eugene Amarui at or Oregon. Maybe that would go be with interesting. Penny Hardaway to teach him how a point guard plays. Exactly, he's got he's got all the star-studded yes. options uh, there to uh, to do that um, as well. Interesting. Urban Meyer's first training camp with Jacksonville. He, he's actually using a winners and losers drill to help determine the Jaguars' cuts. So what they're saying, <laughs> Tim Tebow lined up against Chris Manhurts, and the two players went at it one-on-one in special special teams blocking drill, they said today. Manhurts won the matchup, and immediately winner Manhurts was broadcasted over the loudspeaker. The two went at it three more times, and the final tally was a split 2-2 each time the winner's name 
was announced. And this has happened throughout the practices with Urban Meyer. It's trying to create that competitive atmosphere that he kind of brings that from being at OSU at Ohio State and and what he did there. Um, and now going to the NFL, he's he first started actually what he called during his second season at Florida. He actually, um, when they beat Ohio State in the BCS national title pre-college football playoffs, um, he actually started his winners and losers thing then, and then they won it again, and then he brought it in Ohio State, and then two years later in 2014, you know, they won the national title. So when he made this move to the NFL, he wanted to continue it, although the stakes are a lot higher than winning a spot at Ohio State. The Jaguars, you know, you get your no, you get cut. Um, so he's going to reuse the results of the tournament starters and playing time in college, but now when he and the staff have pulled out the sheets of results, he'll be using them to decide who gets to stay. So this is going to be... Interesting. If there's two players on the bubble for the same spot, the player who won more is likely going to get it. So he's bringing that college-minded approach. And Alex, I'm going to throw this one to you. Do you think that this kind of tactic, we know what happened, you know, the Knicks David experiment experiment in the NFL, you know, John Calipari with the Knicks and and all that, you know, the Kentucky coach and all that. Do you see this happening with Urban Meyer, you know, kind of bringing this to fruition, seeing this merely manifest in like a good idea? Do you think that this is really the way to go about it in training camp under a First-year college NFL coach who's really had tremendous success at in the SEC and the Big Ten with Florida and Ohio State. For where Jacksonville is, it's not a bad idea at all. Jacksonville's a rebuilding team. They've got their franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. They're bringing Tim Tebow in the system. Jacksonville's not competing right now. Urban Meyer is a new coach. Yeah. Jacksonville has the ability to 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 use that flexibility this year to experiment this. So you know what? It's not a bad thing, and you know what? I think it's great that Urban Meyer, for the, for the, for the winning type of uh, coach he is and the winning atmosphere he brings to, uh, to anywhere he goes, even in college, maybe even the NFL coming soon, I think it's a great flexible you know, option. It's a great move. And it just brings competition and sort of excitement to um, a young team trying to be on the rise and a, and a, and a young team, a rebuilding team, who really has the flexibility to do what they please pretty much this year and for several years to come, like five or so. Yeah, you know, um, well, when I saw this, you know, it kind of I kind of tried to think of like what playing on like a team was like. Obviously, my last experience with that was in high school. But, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of what coaches, you know, at the high school level and, and above do. You know, it's a more objective way of doing it. But, you know, whenever you're in practice, you're in training camp, you know, the coaches – they meet every day after practice. Oh, yeah. I mean, at least in my experience. And they dissect who film like good, every day. Who did bad? They watch film. They do all that. This is maybe more That's of an... That's all ob- they talk about. This is... They, absolutely. This is more of an objective and more out front way of doing it. And it's more announced and the players understand it more. But I just think it's a lot of publicity being brought onto something that is a common practice in the yeah. NFL. Which is, if you do better in practice, you're going to get more game reps. I think that's a very common thing. You know, it makes a lot of sense. Maybe in practice it doesn't happen sometimes, but this seems like a very, a very just like forward way of, 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 um, of announcing that, which I mean, is fine. You know, I think Urban Meyer is a guy who, you know, wants his team to be public. He likes publicity and there's no issue with that. You know, everyone likes publicity, but I'm very interested to see how it's going to work. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's going to make too much of, 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 of waves during, like, the preseason or anything. I think the players are kind of used to being judged on their performance. I mean, right. They're, they're, they're in the NFL. Um, 
So, yeah, I think it's a lot of publicity over something that's a very common practice, but, you know, definitely excited to see um, how it goes. And I think, you know, I think the players are excited too from what I've been reading. And, you know, if you can get the players behind you and they want to compete for you, that's what matters. So, uh, good for Urban Meyer. Hopefully, Jacksonville will be better because they Trevor Lawrence deserves it's a, a better whole team. Trans- it's a whole transitioning step. And, again, you, you have the Lawrences. You have these new players coming in. You even have veterans like Tim Tebow coming back. It's a transition step. It's a new competitive atmosphere you're bringing to a team who is rebuilding, a, a, a team who's not going to be competitive this year. It just builds a culture that's going to you know, absorb this team for for several years uh down the road yeah i i think so too i, I think it's be really the, the trend center the culture center um if you will to kind of bring that uh that back up so that's going to be interesting um as well um the mlb is now they sent their 2022 schedule if there's no work stoppage because the cba is up there's they will open the season if it happens on March 31st. It'll be they're going to try for the fourth time to have every team play its first game on the same day for the first time since 1968. That's really hasn't happened since then. Um, so it'll be interesting. The Yankees opener, um, you know, they're at Texas Rangers and the Mets are Nationals at Mets for their openers. But the the CBA agreement also um, expires December 1st, and then. You know, we know about the relationship between the sides and the lockout or strike appears possible. Baseball has not had a work stoppage since that seven and a half month strike in 94, 95 that caused the first cancellation of the World Series in 90 years. They tried for the three of the past four seasons to have all 30 clubs play on the same opening day. Um, and then they had some rainouts in 2018 and 2019 and then the COVID year um, as well. Um, so this is going to be interesting. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, but. It's. I think it's going to be. It's going to be kind of weird. What do you guys think happens with the CBA and, you know, Dylan? You know a lot about about this, and you know, I haven't had stoppages again since ninety four, ninety five. That's seven and a half month uh, strike. Yeah, baseball is like, you know, baseball really is all about balls and strikes. And if there's one thing they're good at doing, it's striking or threatening a strike. Um, the MLB typically has them, and the NHL typically have the worst, uh, like player owner. Yep, that's true. CBA type relations. Um. I mean, baseball's every- got to be the worst, though. Yeah, everything I've heard so far is that there is like going to be a strike, so we'll have to see. I mean, obviously, I don't want the World Series to be canceled. That's something we really could have happened last year, and it didn't. If you're not going to cancel a World Series in 2020, like how are you going to cancel one in 2022? You know, I, I, I would be. I think there will be a strike, but I would also be very surprised to see it like go too too far. But we'll have to see. I don't think the season starts March 31st, though. I think it starts sometime in May. What do you think happens with the sticky stuff and all? you think that's a factor, too? I don't even know. I think there's a thousand different things they have to work out before then. They have to work out whether they want these seven-inning doubleheaders, these runners on second. Runners on second, innings. I think. Manfred said he would get he would do away with those seven-inning doubleheaders and the that would be great. runner on second, that I would, think. That would be a good start. I hope so. I don't know what the, the players want. The two worst want, moves so. ever, possibly. Yeah, it's all the about what the players move. want, all about what the owners want, and you know just how they can meet in the middle. And we'll have to see where they decide to meet. Baseball players have been taken advantage of for a long time when it comes to, you know, the Players Association and the CBA and all that stuff. Uh, again, when it comes to this circumstance, we're going to have to play it by ear. If it starts on time, that's fantastic. If it doesn't, don't be surprised as well. I just think when you make 
these new rules, the seven-inning doubleheader, the, the man on second base and extra innings, you're changing the game for the worse. If you left the game the way it was for the past 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 plus years, if you haven't changed the game, there would be no issue. And if you, if you always respected the players for who they are and the, uh, the work they put in, you also wouldn't have these issues. And you never would have had the 1994 strike at the same time. The NBA, I give them credit because they their their players association is a very strong players association. If the MLB looked at what the NBA does what, uh, regarding players and how they treat players, it's a whole different ballpark. And it would be a really good scenario and a good situation for the MLB to adopt. Yeah. Um, and with all that strike and 